Episode 65, Rena Friedman Watts, host of the Better Call Daddy podcast. You know, I started at the Jerry Springer show as an intern. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes. But what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For links, show notes, and more, you can go to markraben.com slash mistake65. Please follow, rate, and review. And now on with the show. Our guest today is Rena Friedman Watts. She started as a producer, get this, for The Jerry Springer Show, and she's never looked back. Uh, she is really hooked on telling the stories of outsiders. She does that through a podcast called The Better Call Daddy Show. So I'll ask Rena a little bit about that. But um, she is a marketing, media marketing specialist. She has a company called Mega Watts Productions. She likes to help entrepreneurs get seen. So um, before I tell the audience a little bit more about you, Rena, thank you for being here. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, I'm looking forward to the episode together with you because, uh, like I mentioned, I mean, starting with the Jerry Springer show and then moving on, uh, the list of shows Rena has uh, been part of um, as, a, as a producer. Um, uh, th- that list is long. It includes shows like Ni- Nanny 911, Judge Alex, Divorce Court. Like You'd rather be a producer on these shows than to be a guest, right? Definitely. Although some of my family could probably star in some of the shows that I've worked on. <laughs> each, each one a different show. I bet you, you, you have a matching. I won't ask you to spell it out. <laughs> I honestly think that's why I got along so well at Springer is because I grew up in Kentucky and the stories were not that far fetched from things that I heard. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, and and so it'll be interesting to pick your brain a little bit about that experience. Um, but again, Rena's hosting a, a podcast called The Better Called Daddy Show. And I'll ask uh, Rena more about this later. But her dad is featured um, as a, a part of this. So you can find it wherever you're listening to this podcast, or you can go to bettercalldaddy.com. And Rena's also producing a new podcast. It's healthcare related called the Sniff Spotlight. And Sniff in this instance means, I should have known this, but I had a brain cramp early a couple minutes ago. Sniff means? Uh, skilled nursing facility. So, so it's a-, a nursing home podcast where we are highlighting healthcare heroes, owners and operators, directors of rehabilitation, activities coordinators, maintenance workers, all of the people that go into taking care of the senior community. Yeah, well, and, and it's been a particularly tough year for people in those settings. So it's, it's great to give them some recognition. And um, yeah, they are heroes, I agree. Yeah, Thank it's you. been a heartwarming experience so far and really eye-opening just to all of the changes and regulations and people working doubles and, you know, having to stay separate sometimes even from their own families to take care of the lives of others. Yeah. So thank you for, for highlighting and I hope people will go um, find that as well. I'm going to tell, I, I know uh, a lot of people in healthcare, so I'm going to spread the word about that. 
Oh, thank as well. you. Um, so, Raina, as you know, there's so much we can talk about here today. But as as we normally do, I guess we'll we'll kind of jump right into asking you to tell a story. What would you say is your favorite mistake? My favorite mistake I learned pretty early on, and it was don't try to make people what they're not. And you know, I started at the Jerry Springer show as an intern where I was taking the guests around Chicago and I was actually new to the city as well. So it was great. I got petty cash. I got a pager, you know, they said, take them out on the town. I had vouchers to different restaurants, the house of blues. I was learning the city alongside them. Then I started booking the guests. I kind of knew what kind of guests they wanted for the show. And I heard the associate producers on the phone and I started imitating them and 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 trying to see if I could get people to come to Chicago. And, you know, it's like when one show goes well, you, you're like, okay, rinse, recycle, repeat, right? But that's not necessarily true. Like, everybody tells their story in their own unique way. And that's what makes their story beautiful. And what I tried to do is like, once I had one good story, and the crowd was going wild, I tried to make people that weren't like that, just like my previous guests. So I had one guest, I think it was like the previous show, and she was like taking off her clothes and yelling at the crowd. And she was very boisterous and just confident. And then the 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 week after, I had this guest, I think that was like having a relationship with like her half-brother. And I tried to make her like the previous guest. The thing is, is that she wasn't like that at all. She was kind of weird and she was very quiet and she told her story in a much different way. And I was like, people are going to go after you. Like, it's not something that you hear every day, what you're doing. Like the crowd is going to boo you. They're going to think that's weird and you have to go after them. I'm like, that's what the show is. And she could not do that. It did not come across as authentic at all. It was like, not who she was. And so I tried to make her do that. And when you try to make people fake who they are, you can sense that. <laughs> it's very strained. It's not received well. She doesn't feel good about it. The crowd doesn't feel good about it. The executives don't feel good about it. And I learned a very good mistake in the, in that situation. Yeah. Wow. Um I mean, what I'm curious, what kind of pr uh, pressure you were under? Like, did the show and and and, and the search for ratings every did it get addicted to the conflict? And, and were you under pressure to 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 bring that? Yeah, it's like when you're young and you're measuring like what a good show is based upon the audience's reaction. When you get a reaction from one story, you try to get that same reaction from your next story. Like I was learning as I went. So I didn't realize by literally just having her say it in her own unique, relaxed fashion, like she did on the phone, that that could have been better or enough to build up to a great reaction. Like not every reaction is going to be hysterics and laughter and screaming from the crowd. Sometimes you can create shock or confusion or different emotions. And that makes a beautiful story too. And, and that took me a little while to learn because I, like when I got the big reactions, that's like an addicting feeling. And you get the kudos from everyone around you because they're like, whoa, how did you find that? 
So I was going to ask as a follow-up question before we get to lessons learned about that, that you've applied in other places, where did you find these people? Did they, they not self-nominate? In. They called in and said, hey, listen to this. That was during the days of 1-800-96-JERRY. I worked there uh, right. at the very beginning of finding guests on the internet. I'm sure the majority of guests are now found that way. I mean, even for my own podcast now, I go into a clubhouse room, I hear somebody pour their heart out and I'm like, message them like, can you do that again for me? Right? Yeah. yeah and, and there's different ways of finding uh, the, the news stories through. Yeah. So and especially I bet going from internet then to social media probably explodes the, the possibilities, uh, the, the possibilities for those, 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 uh, those stories and those over the top people. It's not just the story of the situation. It's, the way they the way they were, I guess. Another mistake that I learned there that's along the same lines is um, I had this guy who wanted to win his ex-girlfriend back and he was so likable and you loved him and you actually felt sorry for him. Like they were in a relationship for years and she left him for a biker tough guy and he was like the sensitive guy and skinny and, you know, much smaller and of how he was coming here to win her back. And I told the biker boyfriend that before he knocks the guy out of the chair, he has to explain why he's upset with the other guy. It is a talk show. You can't just go out there and knock him out of the chair. That's like an unairable <laughs> segment. You know what I mean? Like people aren't going to understand where that comes from. And he promised me he was not going to go out there and <laughs> KO the guy. But sometimes people's behavior is erratic and unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm 21 years old, 22 years old, dealing with people that are unpredictable. And he went right out on the stage and knocked that guy out with no explanation, mm-hmm. no talking. It was an unerrable so, so, segment. So, Well, so I was going to ask, because <laughs> in that situation or other times where the guest was maybe too sedate or too nervous, <laughs> I mean, how many segments or shows ended up just not being aired? That was actually, thank God, my only one of those. I learned very quickly um, not to do that again. <laughs> so, um, but you tried coaching him up to what, what you needed or what you wanted, but... I mean, you, you couldn't tell that he, I mean, maybe, and maybe it just snapped. I knew he would, the thing is, is right. You go out there, there's a crowd, there's excitement, there's lights, there's anger. This guy has been bothering his girlfriend for months. Sometimes you say you're going to do one thing and your body does another. It's kind of like when you want to say something nice to your kid and then <laughs> you, know, you want things to be more diplomatic and it comes out wrong because you're angry. Um, was I, One other quick follow-up question. Was there ever a time where you felt unsafe because of a guest or the dynamics or the fighting? Yeah, there was, there is one instance that sticks out. There were these two girls from L.A. and they were much bigger than me and a little older than me. And they had prior altercations with each other back in their hometowns. Um, it was a sister who hated her brother's wife. And they literally had thrown down multiple times in L.A., East L.A. They were pretty rough. And um, in between commercial breaks, we had separated them. And I, after I had separated them, went the same direction that one had exited the stage. I think she was 
um, expecting me to come from the other side of the stage to talk to her. So I think she thought I was the sister-in-law, but she had her fist clocked back and I just jumped back, put my hands in the air and was like, I'm not her. Here's what you forgot to say. You need to calm down. We got to regroup, you know, let me fix your hair. (laughs) And I was scared. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I'm glad you you got out of that. But then as you worked, you you continue to work on Springer, you worked on other shows. Were you able to apply that lesson intentionally from your first story about not trying to encourage a guest to be something or somebody that they're not? Was that useful on other shows? Has that been useful on your podcast, Better Call Daddy? Yeah, you know, I think that as I matured as an interviewer and as I matured as like, an associate producer or producer, I tried to be more situationally aware. <laughs> you, mm-hmm. I did still make other mistakes. Like I worked on this one show called Kill Reality and um, it was a bunch of reality stars living in a house together. And then they had the opportunity to star in like a B movie. So we filmed them all living together and then we filmed the making of a movie and it was definitely a B movie. Um, <laughs> what was the name of that? Was that released then? Or was it? Oh, I forgot the name of the movie part, but the show was called Kill Reality. Kill Reality. And and this is the funny thing where then somebody who's been on one of the reality shows continues like they're famous for being a reality star. Right. So it was like people from Survivor and Real World and Apprentice and they all had their, you know, opportunity to star in this movie and they lived in a house together. And of course the drama really happens in the house. So I remember there was some like sort of big reveal getting ready to happen. Like they were bringing some unexpected guest to the house or something. And I was in there a little bit too long. We're like, they came through the door with the camera people and the staff is not supposed to be in the house. And I was like, ah, like another one of those moments where like, duh, you know? <laughs> so I still remember that to this day because I felt like I, I messed up like a big reveal and yeah, it wasn't on purpose. I just didn't get out quick enough. And so, yeah. Well, that, that wasn't a fireable offense though. Really. That wasn't a fireable offense. Thank goodness. You know, there is okay. the magic of editing and uh, things like that. But um, yeah, you learn from these things. You really have to like be aware of your surroundings and timing and storytelling and what's happening as a you know a bigger picture. Um, as far as you know, my own podcast and what I've learned, I was talking to somebody about this today. One thing that I do because I have a lot to say is when a guest is telling me a story, like a lot of times I'll put myself on mute until they're done. Mm. So I don't interrupt them. Yeah. Well, I, 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 as, um, well, let me see what my listeners think about this. So, you know, there are times where, you know, I have these reactions. Oh, mm, mm -hmm." yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll, I'll try to go and edit those out. Um, there, there are probably times though, where I need to be better about jumping in and interrupting. I don't know if you've probably, now we're just kind of talking podcaster to podcaster here and people can listen in. Um, some guests will talk for, it seems like forever, like they're giving um, a monologue. And I, there are times where I reflect where I'm like, you know, there I probably need to be more aggressive sometimes and, and just jump in. 
I don't know. Have you, is that part of your, so I'm trying to mature and get better as an interviewer. How, how do you handle that? I literally had a guest that talked almost the entire hour. And I had like a podcast scheduled after. I think I, I might've asked like two follow-up questions. I had to do a follow-up interview with him in order to even air the segment. Like I I was like, I loved your story. I know you had a lot to say. We're going to have to do a part two. Yeah. And yes. not use that first part. Basically like a redo, you mean? Or? Not a redo because I did end up piecing the two together. Ah. But like mm-hmm. I had so many questions I wanted to ask him and there was no moment to break it. And I guess sometimes depending on the story or the role they're on. Yeah, it would. It would. You, you have some guests who tell some fairly um, personal stories, like the work. I'm, I'm getting mostly workplace stories. You're, right, you're, you're getting a different type of story and guest. Yeah, so sometimes when you go deep with people that have had trauma, and you're like on the brink of some good emotion, like you can't break that. So uh, my podcasting mistakes, or so anyway. With, um, I, I want to go back though, and um, like I still just find this really fascinating. Um, you know, kind of, I'm going off of memories now of, um, I'll admit to it, everyone watched Springer, I guess every, not, not everybody admits it, but, um, how, I, I'm curious if there were mistakes or, you know, you wonder sometimes like, all right, is, is this a real story or how much are they making up a story? Cause they know they can come get on TV and, um, get taken around town as you were describing, like, were there ever times where you tried to flesh out like, okay, is this legit? And, you know, I mean, maybe you have one, you have doubts, but it sounds like good TV. I I had one story that I'm not going to lie. And now that the show's over, probably so is my NDA, but there was a story that was so well rehearsed. Like literally they had all the parties play along. Like, you know, I called them at different locations and I tried to bust them out. They were so well rehearsed. Not only did they fool me, but they, you know, they fooled other people on my team. They were good. And we brought them. And then I, their story, like there was something that I, like, I was like, hey, when was the last time you slept with him? And, and, you know, one person said three days ago. The other one was like a couple months ago. I was like, oh my God, dude, they're totally lying. They it's came falling here. apart. It's falling apart. I was like, if you don't go out there and pull that off, you are walking home. <laughs> yeah, I was like, but that was the only time that only happened to me once. I'm sure it happened to other producers, though. Um, I was like, you know, you said that she was screwing your boyfriend. I'm like, if you don't go rip her hair out, I'm like, you better go after her. You know what I mean? I was like, I was so mad that I got played. Did they pull it? Well, then how did, how did that? But the thing is, is like the security guards, you know, they stop it from happening. And like, no one's really going to get hurt. But I was like. You know, you really had me going on the phone and you guys really rehearsed this to pull that over on me. I was like, I better be able to believe that from backstage. And they did, man. They they got the message. They got the message. <laughs> I felt bad, too. I was like, they're gonna, they got to go home together. Did, 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 did they cop to it or did were they kind of evasive with you or did they say, OK, yeah, you caught us? I didn't, I didn't give them all a scare. I didn't give them all a scare, but you know, the one that I caught, you know what I mean? So I didn't tell even the other three that I knew. I wanted them to keep trying to play it off. The one that messed up, I let her know. I was like, you're going to be the ringleader here. You're going to hold this story together. (laughs) 
Yeah. I think it might have even been wow. better that not all of them knew that they still uh, needed to pull it off. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I mean, we want to talk about your podcast, but I'm curious, you know, how you've kind of built upon these different experiences you've had in, in television production uh, of, of different I guess there are different sub formats within reality shows and, and, and television. Your company, Megawatts Productions, uh, beyond the podcast, what, what types of marketing work have you been doing? One project that I really enjoyed was um, a best-selling author on LinkedIn reached out to me and she was getting ready to come out with a couple other books, one being her first children's book and another one was like um, in the self-help genre. And in order for her to up-level her marketing game, she wanted to try to get endorsements from some bigger people. And I love that kind of work. I love that kind of challenge. And I did get a few no's, but I got some yeses that were amazing. And so she hired me to get her like five endorsements. And she had such a list of people that she wanted. I ended up getting her seven. And that was very exciting. And she did hit number one on Amazon, like in the first week that the book came out. And I was like, wow, like, look at the power of endorsements. That was so exciting. And I really felt like, too, that she saw that strength in me and was able to help me max that out. And then when it went so well with the first book, she was like, hey, let's try it in the kids genre, too. And so actually, one of the guys who was on my podcast was someone who endorsed her children's book. And I had never even heard of him, but he was like big in that genre and somebody that she was excited to reach out to. And then I was like, hey, you know, a way that I could thank you would be to have you tell your story on my podcast. So I feel like by having a platform like a podcast, it helps in business because it's a great way to thank someone or to network or to build a community. Like I have other publicists like sending me people now like, hey, you know, this client I feel like would be great for your show it's, it's by having a platform, it's, it's, you know, scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Like, it's yeah. been great for that. Well, good. And um, a, a little bit back to inside podcast baseball, again, as I say, inside baseball, I don't know why that's the expression, but podcast talk. Um, I had a PR person tell me, or I, I was actually a guest who was um, set up by a PR um, agency. This is a woman who's appeared as a, a commentator on all the financial networks on TV and uh, you know, I said, oh, well, you know, thank you for being on my my little podcast. And she said, well, you know, what? my publicist told me through the publisher going on TV does not sell books. Going on podcasts sells books. So I'm like, all right, well, good. Hooray for that. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah, because we ha we build communities. I think that's what it is. And I think there's a deeper connection Um you know, not that people are always putting the earbuds in, but somehow I think getting that podcast and that, that guest pumped directly into your ears as opposed to more passive TV watching, um, maybe that's part of it, too. Do you think that Clubhouse is going to take away from that? Oh, I, I have no idea. I've done Clubhouse once as a listener and once in a room the other day. Do you think Clubhouse will take away from podcasting? Uh, I don't know. I don't, it's too, it feels like the early days of Twitter where people were still trying to figure out what Twitter was, if that's been figured out. What, what do you think? Or 
I feel like uh, you know, people are building a quick following on there and people are liking sharing their intimate stories with strangers, which I think that is really interesting. And it's not being recorded. So that exactly. probably that creates a different, it's like a, a safe a space. party line, a party What's line, the, a safe the, space, the a venting yeah. platform, a place to get feedback. So, I mean, Twitter didn't kill Facebook. And so I'm sure Clubhouse maybe just coexists. It's different. Maybe it's just different than podcasts. I have found some amazing guests off Clubhouse now. I just interviewed a guy who was in the military at Gitmo for four years. Mm -hmm. And he started questioning his faith upon connecting with the prisoners. Mm -hmm. What a story. So he went from like questioning his Christian roots to getting a Hebrew tattoo of the word chesed on his arm, which means kindness Mm. and leaving the military. And he's now in theater at Yale. Quite the change. Yeah, I I found that one on Clubhouse. I listened to another girl the other day who had been locked in her basement for years by her stepmother. And now she's become like an audiologist and she helps children who have like, you know, processing information disorders from trauma and she helps them be able to communicate better. I found that. I mean, there's so many different rooms and topics and I love those kind of stories. So I feel like it's a great place to find interesting guests. Well, and and you have quite the diverse mix of guests and topics. Um, Rena's podcast, again, is the Better Call Daddy podcast. It's a good segue to talking about that. One thing I've loved about doing this podcast compared to other ones I've done, the other podcasts I've done have been pretty niche and pretty focused professionally. So this podcast really opens up basically anybody from any profession who can come up with a favorite mistake story. So that's been really, really, really fun. I love that idea. That's really, you know, like good lessons for people. And I feel like too, in all of these personal journey kind of stories, there's lessons in all of that. It can be entertaining. It can be sad. It can be weird. It can be funny. I love that. And I'm having conversations with my daddy that I have never had. Yeah. So, yeah. So I want to tell us the backstory of where you got the idea for the podcast. And uh, did did it ever feel like a mistake to start doing this with your dad? (laughs) There have been a few topics that I'm like, maybe I shouldn't cover for, you know, the whole cancel culture type of reasons. But um, you know, you're like worried he might say something that will offend someone, but that's just because of, uh, you know, where he's from or experiences he's had or not being PC yeah. or, you know. Because how, how old is your dad? He's 64. Oh, okay. You know. Um, yeah. So it's not too old, but still, there's generational differences. Definitely. And he's not hip to everything, but he's learning a lot. So the <laughs> idea for the podcast really came with, you know, my entrepreneurial journey, it was like, I kept calling my dad for questions about like, what do you do when a client says the checks in the mail? What do you do when you need to outsource something? What do you do when you need to raise your price? What do you do when you have a difficult client? Like I was calling my dad, my dad ran a company with his parents for 45 years, he managed over 200 people. I feel like he's really good with people. And he's been a really good dad. And he has good relationship advice. And there's not a whole lot that I can't 
share with my dad. And so I was like, let me share that wisdom with the world. So that was really the first idea. And one mistake I made was having my dad on during the original interview, like, so I've decided now to just interview the guests, cut down the segment to what it's going to be, then share the story with my dad, then record his reaction, the two of us, and then record the intro. So that is the formula. <laughs> Did you have to talk your dad into doing it? How tough of a sell was that? Or was he enthusiastic? My dad is like, he's a ham. He has always wanted me to create my own show. And now there's technology where it's easy enough for us to do it. But I had to send my dad some earbuds. I probably should get him a mic and upgrade. Um, I had to walk him through how to get on Zoom. That's why I do Zoom. It's easy. And also another thing in the beginning, kind of what we were going back to is you know, I wanted to get better at my interviewing skills. I wanted to get better at my writing skills. I wanted to get better at booking awesome story skills. And in the beginning, I was interrupting people. I was talking on top of people. So I was having to, I guess I didn't have to, but I was re-recording a lot of sound bites. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just to clean that up. And yeah. Yeah. Um, looking back and in, in your, like, it's 80 something episodes. Friday at, is going to be this recording. episode 100. All right. And I decided to mix things up a little bit and we created a new intro outro. And I'm like, what better time than to start a season two, right? Um, Rena, do you have, is there a favorite? And and, and this is is a tough question. It's like asking an author, do you have a favorite book or an artist if they have a favorite song? Do you have a favorite episode or is there one that's really stuck with you because it was funny or because it was really powerful or, or poignant? One, I have to say that was something I was very, very excited about was James Altucher because I listened to him all summer long on Instagram Live. And he was doing these Instagram Lives with his wife, Robin, and I ended up interviewing him and her. And so that was really special to me because I just felt like I learned so much from him. I've read his books. And if I didn't create this show, I never would have had that opportunity. So that one was like really meaningful. And I'm, I'm feeling um, clueless or it's a mistake on my part to not know who James is. Or I don't maybe, maybe so, I mean, I'm asking because someone in the audience might not know, but I'll, I'll, I'll admit to it. Who, t- who, who is James? I'm James Altucher. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, he's. Um, he's a podcaster. He's a best-selling author. He was a blogger. He's a chess master, poker player, entrepreneur. He's like founded and sold multiple companies. He's made and lost millions of dollars. You should definitely check him out. Well, you've piqued my interest to for for one to go and listen to that episode and then go learn more uh, about James. So thank you for for that. So. Um, I, I, I learn a lot from my guests, so I appreciate that, Rena. Um, all right. Well, our, our guest today has been Rena Friedman-Watts. Um, her, uh, her two podcasts, um, as we've been talking about here, The Better Call Daddy Show. You can find that. Just search Better Call Daddy. You'll, you'll find Better Call Saul, but make sure you don't typo, like Better Call Daddy. Keep typing enough to find Better Call Daddy. See, with my podcast, the thing is people search, and depending on the platform, they, they might get the Sheryl Crow song. Or they'll get my favorite murder. I'm like, no, keep keep going. That's really funny because there's another show called, I think, Call Her Daddy. And it's very racy subject matters. But uh, 
mine shows up very close to her, which maybe I'll get some spillover because this is a very popular <laughs> show. I'm like, oh, awesome. Thanks for anything that has daddy in the title, I think is good. Hmm. Or I should have come up with a name that sounded more like a murder podcast. Yeah. that that Maybe that's the key to podcast. Make success. no mistakes. But, <laughs> I think but Rena, I think you've done really uh, well with your podcast. And then I also encourage people to check out the new podcast she's promoting, The Sniff spotlight as we uh, as we continue celebrating healthcare heroes as uh, we, we see the light at the end of the pandemic here. Um, so um, again, Rena Friedman Watts, Friedman Watts, that's my most recent mistake. I'm going to go have something to drink now at the end of the day that's not water. Um, <laughs> Rena Friedman Watts. Are you drinking a gallon a day? Um, no, that's a mistake I'm making. I should... I should keep up with that. So um, health coach, Rena, no, I'm kidding. Um, Rena Friedman Watts, um, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for sharing your stories and um, your reflections and your lessons. This, this has been great. Thanks. Thank you so much. Well, that was, that was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed creating this episode. Uh, to learn more about Rena Friedman Watts and her podcast and everything she does, you can go to markgraven.com slash mistake 65. I would say please subscribe. Apple has changed some of the language there. I guess I'm asking you to follow. But either way, I hope you'll check out more episodes if this is your first time listening. Um, please do rate and review the podcast. Thanks again for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes and how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they've started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work, and they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.